Hey, hey, this is Danielle Grouchek, founder of Canine Inspired Change. Welcome to the Canine Inspired Podcast, where we explore the connection between humans and dogs and give you tools to strengthen your bond with your dog and with your community so you can get out there and do good with your dog. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Canine Inspired Podcast. Today we have um, part two with Miss Marin Nelson, lady boss, mom, uh, regional vice president for Salesforce, um, founder of Soberforce within Salesforce, and recent city dweller tr- who has been transplanted to a hobby farm Um in Afton. So this is interesting. Thanks for coming back, Marin. Thank you. It makes me laugh hearing it every time still. I'm like, yeah. It's like, wait, wait is that me? <laughs> That's like, me. That's so funny. Yeah, like, I'm kind of cool. Um, I did that. And I say transplanted. It's like you made the choice to make the I move. I mean, like, we transplanted uh, ourselves. Yeah. So it helped. Okay. So first of all, um, setting the scene, we have your dogs in your life at the moment are um, Roscoe and Pearl. And And then you do have some other animals at the farm that we'll (laughs) hear about. So you, um, so tell us about your family, including your dogs, and then the decision to move to um, Afton. And then I want to talk about um, Salesforce. Awesome. Um, Well, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I love it. This is so much fun. Uh, So I have, yes, two dogs, Roscoe, who's nine, Pearl, who's two, little baby Pearl, both of them rescues, both we got from the Golden Valley Humane Society, so I'm a big big believer in adopt, don't shop, although I don't hold judgment of those who want specific breeds for various reasons, but for me, I do love rescuing, and I feel like there's a a special gratitude that those dogs right. exude for being rescued. And I in turn feel just as fulfilled, right? right. Just like you feel after you volunteer yep. and you're like, that feels really good to do that service. Yep. Work. So that's our story. So we have those two dogs, our sweet pearly, just side note, before I go to talk about the family, just got diagnosed with cancer. I'm so, so that's sorry. Mm-hmm. So she's two and mm. it just is like, What? It's, that is what? Come on, universe. I love you, universe, but come on. What? Well, I think it's so bears a side trip into somebody like you who I, I just think you're such a grounded, well thought out um, kind of thinker, I guess. Um, how do you organize that in your brain and mind and move forward when you get a diagnosis like that like how are you making sense yeah, let's go that? into that let's we'll cover my family another time <laughs> <laughs> i know you asked me about my family i'm like let's just talk about pearl <laughs> uh oh man well so context we'll see how much i can talk about this without crying so my mom died of cancer last summer right i'm so sorry cancer, mm. which is like a really i mean all cancers are brutal but it was a pretty brutal sudden diagnosis um, she lived for 19 months with mm. it, uh, treating it, but you know, she literally was like the most vibrant, healthy 72 year old ever, mm-hmm. like so healthy. She ran half marathons in her fifties and sixties. Mm. Like it just, maybe she was even in her sixties. So it's super shocking. It was mm. one of those where you're like, she's going to live to a hundred. And then yeah. she gets this horrible diagnosis and you're like, okay, there's the impermanence of life. Right. Right. And you kind of know it can always happen to your family when you see it happen to other people. Right. And you just hope it doesn't. And then it does. And you just walk through it. And right. right? 
you do it as gracefully as you can. So super grateful that I uh, was sober. So I'm 15 years sober and super grateful I was sober to be present to my mom Mm-hmm. on her journey and really, truly fully present for all of it. Right. Including the end. So Pearl getting this diagnosis just uh, a mere six months later uh, is like, come on. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> but I'm not someone who ever lives in this, like, woe is me pity right. party. This is not how I roll. Like, right. It's not where I stay sober. I do honor the anger. I honor mm-hmm. the grief. I honor the sadness. Like I don't, you know, I don't stuff those feelings anymore. Mm -hmm. I used to be scared of those feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm not scared of those feelings anymore. Because they're transient. They come and go just like everything else. And because if I stuff them, they're going to come out sideways and it's going to be toxic to me. It's better for me to just go like this sucks and I'm angry. And then it's not up to you. Like none of it is up to us, really. There's a very, very little, small, um, you know, minute, yeah, little um, portion of the, our lives that are we can direct. After that, and just none of it's just up to yeah. us. Who, you know, so it's sad, and it's yeah. not our expectations. We know, of course, you get a dog, you think you're going to have 10, 12 years. Yeah, at least I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't. It was a year and a half, and we'll see how long she lives. She's doing well on her steroids, but okay. like. The- tumors are giant and Mm -hmm. rapid weight loss. So yeah, finding that out, I wasn't surprised. I knew like based on her weight loss and her, this growth that suddenly appeared and then was growing fast. Like I knew it was going to be a bad diagnosis before they came back with the news. Do you have, um, do you have worry loops? And if so, how do you get out of them or like, um, anxiety? I don't anymore. I used to. to So I have how, to stop that or what you do to deal with that, please. I think everybody Honestly, would be I don't know. Interested. I feel like 15 years of sobriety, yeah. like working a program. Can and, you talk and... me through like what that even looks like in your oh head? How do I distill that down? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll say some fundamental things and some fundamental like learnings is like, I think of a line in my program that the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Mm, mm. And so that even comes down to being in the present moment. Like my coffee mug says, nice. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is mystery. Today is a gift. Mm-hmm. Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, you know, just being in that mindset. And sometimes I do it well. And sometimes I do it terribly, but I think over time I've gotten, I'm more and more in the present moment, which keeps me out of the worry loop. Because the worry loop is always future tripping for me. Mm-hmm, or it mm-hmm. could be ego-based reflection. Yeah, and right. Sure. Self-doubt and insecurity. So I think as for me, like as my self-esteem has grown by doing esteemable acts, mm-hmm. right? And being present for others mm-hmm. and doing self-care like uh, working out and meditating mm-hmm. and sleeping and not drinking mm-hmm. and not so, you know, like not creating harm for myself, doing things that are kind and loving. Mm-hmm. Then for me, and I medically treat my anxiety too. And I have for a long time, for, uh, seven years. With like a prescription type situation. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I treat it and I treat it by staying sober. Also all those mm-hmm. things, they all go into, me actually being able to live in the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, there, maybe there's something also super transformative about like the loss of my mom, where it was like, mm-hmm. talk about like, mm-hmm. we don't have any control. No, we really just don't No, And so I can either miss life mm-hmm. by worrying about things that I have no control of anyways, mm-hmm. or I can just try to be really present and celebrate the joys. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things she said to my dad that sticks with all of us as like a mantra is, she texted him when she was in the hospital. And this was maybe like two weeks before she died. 
And she wrote, look up. It's a beautiful day. Mm, that's and so I think of cry. that. Ugh. But it's like, that's it, right? Yeah. Like life goes fast and you go through this big loss and you're like, yeah, this human life, it's a, it's quick. Mm-hmm. So where do I want to spend my energy? Do you and you can't always think your way out of it. So I, I don't want to like dumb it down to the point. Yeah. It's like, this is 15 years of like a whole bunch of therapy yeah. and a whole bunch of meditation practice and a whole, you know what I mean? Like, it's not an overnight deal for me. I didn't just like wake up and not do this worry thing. And I still have moments of it, of course, but I heard it shifted dramatically. I heard a, um, I heard somebody, uh, a, d- a doctor, a research scientist talk about um, a breathing exercise. And, and basically he said, if you're having intrusive thoughts, thought looping, th- increasing like OCD thoughts, it's like you can't think your way into thinking better. So you have Correct. to go to the body. So what's yes. how been helpful to me is like knowing that and then just going to breathing. And there's a couple different techniques Um that I've been taught through my meditation teacher. And that is one is like thought stopping where you just like, I'm just putting my foot down and and I'm going to introduce a new thought or you just don't engage. There's no desire to have a different thought. There's no aversion to the thought you're having. You're like, this is just a thought. This is just a thought. The brain thinks if it didn't, I'd be a vegetable. So that's good. Um, You know, the heart beats, the elbow yeah. bends. There's I don't yeah. wa- run around going. I'm my heart is my blood is pumping. My blood is pumping. <laughs> you know, like I'm just. No, it's a really good think- call around the body and the breathing because, like, that is something that I didn't mention that is critical to my feeling very grounded to the earth. Is a grounding practice I do every day, mm. and it's um, it's something that was ta- I work with a shaman. It was something I was taught by my shaman. And it's basically taking the energy from your core and sending it down into the earth to the center of the earth and tying it on to mother earth and then bringing some of that energy back up into your body, then sending your energy up to the sky, tying it up to father sky or the universe, which is whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Tying a visual of tying it up there mm-hmm. to ground you up there, bringing that energy down and then putting your energy bubble up and around you. So this like protective shield almost that I envision putting up around me and closing it off. And then that really, truly, like when I feel anxiety popping up, I mean, I I try to do proactively like every day, as I said, like at any point, I could be anywhere. It doesn't matter. Like it it just takes two seconds to pause and visualize, right? That. But when I do feel agitated or anxious, I do it again. And I just try to remember, like, so hold, like your a, space, hold your energy. So it's a tool for shifting. Like we talked about in the yeah. f- in the first episode, um, it was it's it's a tool to shift your relationship to whatever thought is that so is all of is thought or thought. other people's energy. Yep. Like I'm yep. very, I think I'm a very like highly empathetic person, and I can pick where it can be actually harmful. Like so, mm-hmm. when you were saying on the last episode we chatted about the interaction between another person can sometimes feel intense and like you can ground yourself with a dog, I'm putting mm-hmm. words in your mouth, like grounding your own energy yeah. with a dog. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's for me, like I have to do the same thing. Like I have to have my bubble up so that I'm not picking up on, and it's not a judgment of other people's energy. It's like, I, I will create self-harm if I'm carrying other people's energy sure. into my energy bubble. And so like, I try to be very conscious of like, holding my own space and it allows me to actually be of more service to others when I do that. Oh yeah. Like compassionate boundaries. Yeah. Who knew, who knew they existed? 
<laughs> but no. Yeah, it's actually, actually very helpful. <laughs> mm. that you can be more effective yeah. in helping others when you are holding your own space and mm. not... I used to, for sure, I had, oh my God, long history of like, let me get in there and fix this thing for Mm -hmm. you, which was like so inappropriate because like, right. Or Or the self-talk that I'm a bad person because I can't just deal with this, that this person, what's going on right now. Like, (laughs) I don't need to. No, it's not good for anybody, but so, okay. So I'm really grateful for all the teachers. Like I'm super grateful for the sober women who came before for people like you who teach me how to interact with my dogs yep. and we did dog training with you for my shaman who I work with. Like I adore her. She, yep. They're all, it's all these tools in yeah. my toolbox that, that help to, to shift out of where I used to operate from, which is like a very anxious worry based mindset, yep. based mindset. And that's not where I live today. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Well, thank you. I think that is helpful. Um, I, it was helpful to me. So thanks for well, being good. so open to share that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, okay. So let's shift now over to, um, well, let's talk about your move and your your decision to move and talk about your family right now. Because when I, I met okay. you, we'll, like you were, well, listen, when I met you, you were single and you went through a couple of doozies oh, relationship wise. <laughs> <laughs> um and it everybody does you know everybody does we have to laugh about it oh you mistakes. gotta laugh i mean they're all teachers yep. for sure all teachers and learning i think a big part was my own self-worth and my own story and i didn't show perfectly oh my gosh yeah. i mean right if you could go Who interview does? them i'm sure they'd be like she was a hot anxious <laughs> ass i mean like i I'm not the way I am as a wife is not who i was as a girlfriend to many of those people for sure well um so so what? family. So yeah. I'm married to Darren, my lovely husband Darren. Shout out to Darren. <laughs> Shout out to Darren. Beard he about town. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big part of why we moved to the farm. He grew up on a um in kind of like farm life. So we have twins, Teddy and Lincoln, Yay. who are four years old. Uh both were anatomically male at birth. Teddy identifies as female. So what uh, a crazy journey that is right so i want to hear more about that though too because that's so interesting she's amazing she knows who she is she is like it i she's i am both of them do like i'm in it's a gift to be their mom and watch these little beings who have like no doubt in their mind who they are and it just makes me remember that we do come into this world knowing who we are yeah a whole bunch of other stories from other people's like unhealed harms or traumas yeah that make us question who we are and we have to remember again or at least me like i've had to go on a journey of remembering again who i am yeah. but i think we come in knowing who we are and they know who they are they both do and just to like i, th- I think it's a huge uh testament to it this is just what is you know 100%. what what is what happening is just what is there doesn't have to be a huge story around it there doesn't nope. have to be a big explanation nothing specially just happening to me or even to the person it's happening to it's just what is um, i think yeah. dogs do that really good too by the way they're just like oh this is just what's happening now big deal and like, you know yeah. so yeah, really into squirrels uh yeah and i have two stepsons um who are 16 and 13 so my husband was married before um which and we have them half the time which is a gift also and they're amazing big brothers so we have a blended family of four so yeah so teddy her um 
I mean, it's weird to talk. It's weird to talk about because I want to honor that it's her story to tell, and she's not old enough to tell it yet. But mm. I also think it's important to uh, inform and educate. You know, given there there is so much stigma still and misunderstanding yep. what it is to be transgender mm-hmm. and harmful language that still exists. So that part of me, as like her fierce protective mother, feels like yeah. Uh, I'm well, gonna I'm gonna make an assumption that's giving me permission to share the story, and I guess we'll deal with it later if she feels otherwise. But um, so she, she came into this world knowing who she is at three years old, like when she like started like being pretty vocal and putting sentences together and all of that. Like she very clearly declared that she was a girl. Wow! And she gets super upset if we use the male pronoun. Really? We're like, okay, is this like a phase? Is this a thing? Like, what we're just gonna watch this, right? Um, and I reacted the first time she said it, I just was like, I thank God I have an example of a friend who's married to a transgender man. So like I mm. had some language and I studied it in school and like, so I had some context, mm-hmm. um, which I'm grateful for yeah. because I, then when she said, I'm a girl, I was like, okay, yeah, that you can, you are whoever you think you are. Mm-hmm. Is all, all I really said. Mm-hmm. And, but she was, per- so the things they say to watch for are persistence, insistence, and consistence. Okay. And she had all three. So like anytime we, flubbed on a pronoun she gets super upset ah. and mad and um so it was about three months of just like kind of observing until she said to me one day last this is last year um mommy i want you to tell my teachers that me a girl uh, so they tell my mm-hmm. friends that me a girl listen she knows she knows what's up uh, she's like, you not worried be any about more it. clear <laughs> You're three. Uh, adults don't know how to communicate about their own needs that well. <laughs> so I hear you, girl. I see you. And nice. I offer you. And Aww. I told her who was a good friend of mine. And they were amazing. And it was like, no big deal. There's another kid in the class. Like, it, here's the thing. Kids don't care. Yeah. Kids are like, who cares? All right, cool. You're a girl. All right. I'll use the she pronoun. Like, they don't. It's not a thing. It's parents learned discrimination. That's yep. a thing. Right. It's such a great story, though, that because it started from when she was tiny. And yeah. it turns out it's actually pretty common with identical oh, really? male at birth twins. Huh. So there's all this research around it. I know I could talk forever about that. There's all this research around like exposure to testosterone during development huh. and like theories around like one twin getting exposed to more testosterone than the other because they share a placenta. Huh. And there are definitely physical differences between them, like Teddy's is very like slender she looks i mean she she carries her body like a female mm-hmm. and always has her voice tone has always been higher than lincoln's mm. so like interesting. It's, so it's super interesting yeah well so i don't have anything to back it up for them but like my observations as their mom is like there's a difference for sure well i'm thrilled that you get to experience this because it's kind of cool and also i'm just thrilled for her that she has you for a mom because like yeah. the best human ever to see somebody through this yeah. Yeah. yeah and definitely um, I and mean, then you just have to let go and trust, like yeah. to your point about worry loops, like I can go into worry loops about her and oh. like wanting to protect her from the harms of the world. Sure. And like, but the reality is like Lincoln could be harmed, you know, like yeah. uh, harming this. And so like, I just have to go back to like, we love them. Our house is loving and safe. And yep. like, that's the best foundation that we can give. And I have no control over the rest of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's amen sister there. As soon as you let go of that control piece, whenever I feel anxiety, it, it's like I'm back in ego and control where I think. I, fear. I, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So moving to the farm, COVID helped inspire it. We were thinking about it like before COVID. So it wasn't just a COVID decision, but then COVID happened and we were like, we need space. So we used to live in St. Paul, which is where I grew up. Um, and we lived in a lovely neighborhood, like, like literally, like, I feel like I'm biased, but I feel like it's the best neighborhood of St. Paul, Mac Groveland neighborhood next to McAllister college. And just felt like, okay, now we have two dogs and four kids. And then we got chickens. Yeah, <laughs> It's yay. like anyone listening, like chickens are a very slippery slope. It's a gateway drug <laughs> to a farm. So get your chickens. Don't get them unless you're ready to move to the farm. <laughs> so we got four chickens and then we started looking and we found this amazing place in Afton. We live on seven and a half acres. And Gosh, that nice sounds house. idyllic. It's, I do, it is. There's a big red barn. It's very like. How, how long have you been there now? So now since August. So we moved in August, like literally the week after my mom died. Talk oh. about like what the heck of a week. But we Dang, somehow, girl. Everybody's had a 2020, but you've had a 2020. Damn. But it also was amazing. It yeah, was yeah. also beautiful, right? Yeah. So like it, it's yeah, a big it life. Hard. It's, it's a also big, beautiful. Yeah. All at once, like smack together. So yeah, we live on this beautiful farm and now we like joke about Monday getting goats and sheep. I don't know what we're doing. And I, I don't know. <laughs> the children want a pony. I bet we're not doing that. Listen, the not sky's now. the limit at this point. I mean, it, yeah, it's a little scary. <laughs> so it sounds wonderful. Gosh, it is wonderful. I mean, like it is. if I could have one wish, I would transport myself in as like your fifth child and just be like reborn. As soon as you get a vaccine, <laughs> you can come be our fifth child. Okay. okay? I'm going to hold you to that. Bedroom, yeah, yeah. Come out. I'm doing it. Okay. So let's talk about Salesforce because another, um, the reason why I look up to you is you've just always been a lady boss um, with just a very successful corporate career. Um, and then what you're doing with your position now with Soberforce is really inspiring. So can you tell us about that whole Thank specter you. of yes, your life? Yeah, so excited. Um, so I've worked with Salesforce for four years. It's a software sales, so customer relationship management software. And it's um, it's an amazing company. And our, our, uh, our CEO, Mark Benioff, was a massive reason why I joined this company because of his values around equality and um, being stewards for good. I feel so like I know that name. You for sure do. I mean, it's a massive company. I'm sure you, yeah, you, you do know him. Yeah. You'd recognize him if you saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things now that you know the word, you're going to start seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he's incredible. He's an incredible leader. And he is very frontal and vocal about like businesses. You, you can do well in business and also do good. And they're not exclusive. Right. Mm-hmm. So like this notion of like doing good, being reserved for like those in nonprofit, like not true at all. Nope. In fact, businesses have a responsibility to our communities to do good in the world. Mm-mm. And so it's a huge reason why I joined Salesforce. I come from like a, the startup sales world mm-hmm. and I joined Salesforce four years ago because of the values that he was so frontal about. And I was like, that's a company I want to work for. Yeah. Um, so now I've had the opportunity to be promoted into leadership, which I love. Like it, it's just basically service work for my job, mm. like helping others. And I, it's like, I love it way more than I ever could have imagined. So great. Mm-hmm. And, um, in this experience, like I had a, um, I was on LinkedIn and saw another Salesforce leader who posted about his recovery, having an anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I left a comment like, Oh, that's so great. Like me too. I'm 15 years sober. We should connect. And he ended up calling together four of us and I hadn't met any of these guys before. Mm-hmm. So virtually, cause everything's virtual now. Yeah. And we had like a little mini meeting of 
for sober sales leaders at Salesforce. Oh, wow. And we all had long-term recovery and we're like, this is really nice. This is really lovely to connect. Like I would have never met you. I would have never known. Mm -hmm. I'd never met anyone sober before in my job because it's just not something you typically talk about at work, right? And we said, how can we help others? Because people are struggling right now in this pandemic. Like addiction thrives on isolation. We're all isolated And how do we extend our hand and reduce the stigma of talking about living in recovery and addiction? Like let's, let's like use our position of power for good. Right. So we started, um, an affinity group. It's called an affinity group at Salesforce, um, called Soberforce. And it's a publicly available group Mm. to all of our employees. Mm -hmm. We've got close to, I think 300 official members now. Now some of them are allies. So you don't have to be sober to join. Like we want all people there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been remarkable, Danielle. Like we, yeah. I, I it's, it's, it blows me away. It's super humbling. It's like the number of people who have reached out who are struggling or are counting days sober. Mm. We're like, I didn't know where else to go. And I looked up if we had a group and I found you guys. I mean, we just started this thing in November. It's like brand new. Wow. Uh, and what do I do? And like having one-on-one conversations with the co-founders right now, but hopefully other people now are starting to get phone calls because people are self-disclosing sure. on our group. Like I have this amount of recovery. Here's my phone number. Mm-hmm. And so we've started this community, which mm-hmm. says like, it's okay to ask for help. There's help out there. You're not alone. Um, and you don't have to worry about doing this within a career and a job setting, exactly. which people I would I can understand why people would be reticent to do so. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And wow. you can either participate publicly in these groups and on these calls that we have, or you can call someone for confidential one to one conversation. So it's not here to replace outside programs. Like I'm very active in a 12 step program Mm -hmm. outside of work, Mm -hmm. but it's to facilitate the conversation within the walls of work because that's where we spend most of our day. I know. And to show people that there's hope because the thing is like when I go to my 12 step meeting, like those are people who have already found their ways into the rooms. Right. What about all the people who like, don't even know, like, where do I go? Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So this platform to say like, Hey, there's help. And there's hope. And to the people who are also sober, who like feel alone in their sobriety, maybe Mm -hmm. like, hey, you're actually you got a big, huge community around you. You just we didn't know. Right. And also, yeah. And for leaders of industry, like to provide some form of mental health awareness, addiction awareness, like that only serves you because your employees are better fulfilled. They're connected. They're getting resources to help them. There's being seen as a fully faceted human being, not just like a worker. This is somebody else who exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a great thing you've you've started. I'm super excited. And I hope, I hope my hope for this and our hope as like the other co-founders is that we can eventually create a framework for other companies yeah. to replicate, right? So like that we can show other corporations that it is okay to have this conversation in the workplace and here's how you can support your employees and yep. having the conversation um, is super exciting. So I'm really grateful to Salesforce for giving us this platform and making it possible to do this. Like they had set the framework of types of groups like this in other with other focuses, right? Yeah. Whether it's around climate change yeah. or... Um, there's Latino force and bold force and Salesforce women's network. Like there's lots of different equality groups that exist. Mm -hmm. And so we had a framework to follow to get sober force off the ground and the support. 
Um, but it's, it's, hum- it's amazing. It's humbling and it's taking off, which I'm really excited about. Ugh, amazing. Well, Hey, Mark Benioff, we see, I see you, you matter. <laughs> yeah, thank like you. thanks exactly. for doing cool stuff in the world. Um, I mean, b- basically at canine inspire change, our big overarching like statement for existence is to do good in the world. And then we do good with our dogs and then we have programs and things like that. But I think if everybody starts with that huge, like the goal is to, to be a force for good in the world and right. then you just keep going back to that as you make decisions and you hone in yeah. on what it is specifically that you know you can do as a human or you can do as an organization um like right? that, then we're going in the right direction 100 percent. there's hope <laughs> seriously like we are we are far better humans when we can just show up yeah. and be ourselves yeah yeah like, exactly a piece of me that's being asked to leave it at home I can bring yeah. all of me to work. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right? This is real. Okay. Yeah, I, I love it. Good Thank for you. you. All right. About it. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Shout out to Salesforce and just people doing good out there in the world. Maren, I just am so grateful to you. I love you. Um, you. do you have anything else that you want to share? By the way, this won't be a, like a two and done thing. We'll definitely have you back (laughs) on because we've just touched on a few things where I'm like, I just want to talk about this for another two hours, but you can just have a chat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'll just say thank you to you for the work that you're doing because the work you're doing really matters and you bring a lot of healing to the world and you do it by being your authentic, vulnerable self Mm -hmm. and that matters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank it feels feels you. good. To, it feels good to hear that. You're welcome. It's true. It's true. I think, you know, that is that's my hope for this this life that I'm here living is like just to elevate in that way. Right. To show right. and to be brave, even when it makes me nervous, even when it makes me nervous, because mm-hmm. it made me nervous. My sure. ego is like, are you sure you want to say that out loud at work? <laughs> yeah. uh, once it's out, it's out. Right. And then you can't take it back. And then you got to just, if there is stigma or judgment, you're going to have to live with it. And it's like, it's so empowering to just own ourselves fully. And, and so we relief. give people permission to do it. Yeah. It's a relief too. It's just 100%. a relief to be who you are. And and like you said, it's it's blazing trails then. It's like, hey, if you can like if you can talk about this on a podcast or at work or whatever, um, you know, we're just all basically going through the same stuff in different packaging. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, with some different titles. Yeah. All the same. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you for doing this. I love that you had me on. It was so fun. So fun. I love you, Marin. Love you too, girl. Okay, everybody. Until next time, we see, I see you. You matter and get out there and do good with your dog. <laughs>